Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Darshan Mehta, the founder of iResearch.com, which is a platform that allows you to quickly hold online focus groups. So we're talking tips and advice on how to run a focus group. Thanks for downloading. Now, focus groups have been around forever. I remember the days of yes-no buttons and folks losing the will to live once they'd hit that button for like the hundredth time. Uh, Nowadays, it's a lot easier to extract feedback from your clients. In this episode, I'm joined by Darshan Mehta, the founder of iResearch.com. So stand by for lots of tips and advice on how to run focus groups, pick people for the group and also persuade them to take part as well. You can find Darshan at iResearch.com. And also make sure you check out his book, which is called Getting to Aha, Why Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts. There's a link to the book and the website in the show notes, so make sure you give those a quick tap. Uh, Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. Love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can find more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Darshan was if he thinks the internet has made it easier to get feedback from people. You know, like anything, there's a plus and a minus, right? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I'll just be very honest with you. When I started dabbling with this in 98, I really did not know what online focus groups would be like and if it would be actually viable. Um, but I quickly found out it's not only viable, but it has two unique advantages. And especially when it's chat-based. And that is when you pose a question to an audience online, everyone can answer at the same time. Yeah. Whereas in person or video or anything, only one person can talk at a time. And I think as you've seen, because you've been in lots of focus groups, there's often some people that are just very quick out of the gate. And they often you know, take up a little bit more of the oxygen in the room. But there's always a few people in the back that you don't always hear from. But I can assure you, a lot of times they have those kernels of insights that you're really looking to tap into. And so what I really like about this online is that everyone can respond immediately, but then you see what everybody else says and then people feed off of that. And that's been really, I think uh, it was eye-opening for me to have that one unique advantage because no one's interrupting each other. Yeah. The second advantage I found is that when people have to put their thoughts into writing, there's just an extra step of thinking that's required. Yeah. And as a result, you get more thoughtful, insightful comments and so on. I mean, we tell people, don't worry if you're you know, grammatically incorrect or don't worry about your spelling as long as we can understand what you're saying and you're able to convey your thought. And you find, interestingly enough, you, know, you get a lot of interesting input and thoughtful ideas, um, but you also still get people's sense of personality. Sure. If you think about it now, how much of your day is spent in text-based communication? When you consider email, texting, uh, uh, the social platforms. And I may ask you, do you get a sense of people's personality from those? I would argue you do. You do, don't you? Absolutely. I go back and I think years and years ago to when I worked in radio and focus groups were everybody did focus groups. And what we used to do, we used to get like 300 people, put them in in an auditorium, a room, and they had a a yes and no button. It was Mm -hmm. ridiculous when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And you'd play them a song or you'd play them something or you'd tell them something and they'd hit yes and no. And then you'd take this information back and you'd make decisions about it. That That was awful. It was expensive. It was really yeah. expensive because you had to give them gifts as well because 
and pay yep. for the you know pay for them to come to you. Um, and the internet just seems to be a lot of a lot better way, a lot easier way to do that, right? It is. I mean, you can eliminate a third to maybe. Uh, I mean, at least almost two thirds are, are, are half the cost because. If you really think about it, most of the costs related to traditional focus groups are going towards infrastructure costs, not the actual research. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're going for travel, food, transcription, all these other things that you need to do. Whereas online, you get the transcript immediately. You know, they come from wherever they want. You don't have to worry about travel. You don't have to worry about food. But more than that, you actually get, if you look at a transcript from an online session versus an in-person session, they're just longer because there's just more input from everyone. Yeah, you're you're right. I, do you think people are more honest than than when they're in a room? Because I remember back, and you could see people's eyes glazing over after about twenty minutes of this yes and no button pressing, and they'd just be bored stiff. Uh, do you think people are more honest with you when when you're asking for written feedback online? Yeah, I think they can be. I don't know if it's more or not. To be honest with you, I think that's really more of a function of not the methodology in terms of the the medium you're using, it's more of a function of, I think, establishing rapport, trust, and, 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 and creating an engaging conversation with participants. And that's more of a function of the moderator. And, you know, it's just one of those things, if you get people comfortable and you start having a conversation, basically what you're trying to recreate is that situation when you go to a cocktail party and you yeah. meet someone, some people you know, some people don't know, and you all start engaging in this conversation. Next thing you know, Everyone's like into it, doing a deep dive and finding it very interesting and compelling. So to be honest with you, if it's that interesting, there's no reason or, 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 uh, to lie or to, or to not really tell you what you honestly think, because everyone's getting something out of the conversation. Yeah, because I'm thinking if you're face to face, there's a lot of folks who kind of like maybe wouldn't want to upset you. But by saying, I think that product is a complete load of rubbish or something, yeah. Well, I can assure you, and I think you've seen that people don't have any problem being <laughs> very, very honest and maybe too honest on the internet. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, a little too honest sometimes, I would imagine, yeah. Um, so, so what types of strategies should we kind of try to deploy to get feedback off people? Are there other options than just polls and surveys and things? Of course, yeah. And nowadays, um, I was actually going to take a step back for a second. If you think yeah. about it, what exactly is research, whether you're doing surveys or focus groups? You know, I would say it's ultimately structured curiosity. Yeah. That's and what like you're that. doing is you're poking, prodding, and you're literally looking to learn and explore. And the best way to learn and explore is have conversations. And that's where focus groups came about. It's really about having a conversation with people. And I assure you, People love talking about products and services. But more than that, they love talking about things that they like, don't like, what gets them motivated, you know, what would really get them excited. Everyone likes talking about that. And then what you do is you actually then take that information because you've done some exploratory research, and then that's when you quantify it through a survey. And nowadays, with the advent of you know, the digital world here, you have no choice. People are going to talk about you whether you want to or not. They're having conversations about you from reviews to you know discussing about your product and service online. So there's many ways you can tap into the conversation mm. from all the social platforms. And you know that's more passive communication interaction. But you can also engage in active conversations. And that's where focus groups or one-on-one -on -one interviews and things like that come in. And they all have a distinct advantage and disadvantage. 
So, so, so how do, how would you say this kind of works? Because I'm thinking polls are a bit of a waste. I'm thinking polls are a bit of a waste of time because I get about a hundred of the darn things come straight through to my inbox every day, and I ignore every single one of them because, it, you know, it's just something else to do, isn't it? So, so how are we talking like online forums? Are we talking? How does this kind of tend to work? Sure, you basically invite anywhere from uh, you know about fifteen people to come and attend with the expectation that eight to 12 will actually show up. And then you basically just have a online discussion. You pose questions and the moderators already in advance, you know, come up with a, a, a path of questions and what they want to cover. Um, and their goal is to really just facilitate the conversation. Their role is not to serve as an expert, but really to listen and to just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you find that as you do that, everyone else gets into the topic. And before you know mm. it, Two hours have gone by very quickly, and often people don't want to leave if it's an engaging conversation. And you'll be amazed at how much you learn from a session like that. Yeah, I can imagine. So can all the individual people within a session like that, can they see what everybody else is saying? Absolutely, yeah. And then the other thing, you know, a lot of people often don't realize is the added benefit that you get out of getting people's feedback. Oftentimes, you end up converting them to becoming super fans of your product or service. Because now they have a vested interest in seeing you do well or you improve your product or service. And and how long would you say is, is the kind of like the sweet spot for how long these events should, should kind of take? I think with my cost structure that I'm offering with the iResearch, it's actually much, much more affordable than it used to be. So I actually think there's going to be a possibility people could do even micro groups for about an hour to an hour and a half. Right. I mean, traditionally you do an hour and a half to two hours. Um, but part of the reason that is in traditional groups is because it was sp- – so much time and effort it went into it, you wanted to maximize it. But, you know, I think an hour to two hours is more than sufficient uh, to cover what you need because part of it is you want to keep the conversation focused as well. You don't want to cover too much because if you try to cover too much, you're not going to be able to get in depth as much. Yeah. And the goal is to get in depth so that you really, and that's where the real nuggets of insights are when you get deeper into what really motivates and triggers people. And do you think it's better to kind of find I don't know what professional moderators or have folks from the company because I'm thinking the questions you ask are kind of the most important thing, aren't they? Should you have a professional work out the questions for you? Do you think? I think there's always value in having a professional because they have experience, knowledge, and so on that you can you know mm-hmm. uh, tap into. Um, however, we're also in an era of the digital world where people want to do things on their own yeah. to save time and do expedite things. So we're offering both, to be honest with you. We, we can do them for you or we can train you and you can learn how to do them and just uh, learn to do that on your own. And that way, you know, you can save money in the long run. So, you know, maybe the thing to do is have a moderator help you get going, get started. And then once you kind of learn what's going on, perhaps you can even learn to do that, you know, eventually on your own. However, I do caution you. A lot of times when owners or entrepreneurs are doing for their own product or service, they're going to have to really guard against what tends to happen, which is they want to sell their product or service. (laughs) And that's not the purpose of a focus group. Because the purpose of a focus group, you actually want to tap into what they think and feel, not what you think they should think and feel. Because otherwise, that's just a wasted exercise all around. Yeah, I always think it's it's good to have somebody who's disconnected from the product there or working with you at least because they can kind of pull you up on that sort of thing, can't they? And that's one of the advantages of a focus group. You, you, the client can be there and give feedback to yeah. a, a professional moderator as well. Yeah, and you can get protective over your product or your service or something, can't you, and stop getting a bit Sure, that's a natural phenomenon, absolutely, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. your baby, right? And of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to folks who've spent like over a year building a product or a service, particularly when you come to online services and things like that, and they've taken it out to a whole bunch of people and basically told them it's a bit rubbish and, the you know, they don't like it. Well, you know, on that front, I would actually uh, tell people if you're hearing negative comments, that should be a sign that you need to listen deeper. Yeah. Because a lot of times some people are going to be negative comments. They actually like the product or they think it has more potential than it already has. So if you really listen to them, they're actually giving you ways to maybe make it even better. So I wouldn't always take those negative comments as a personal attack on your product or service. I would actually change the the focus and say, hey, what is it that they're really saying? What is it? In fact, they might not even really be negative on your product or service. They might be even talking more about the pain point they're having with the real problem and that this product doesn't meet that real pain point that they're having. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think the data we get, well, we've kind of like touched on the honesty side of it, but do you think that the actual data we get from, from these online focus groups, do you think it's more accurate online than it would have been if you were doing it in person? I don't think there's a difference in accuracy. I think the difference is um, you can do these uh, faster, easier, yeah. and much more affordably. But I think the accuracy is going to be the same. Right. I'm with you. And and how many folks would you tend to look at putting in a focus group at one particular time? I mean, you don't have too many, do you? No, that's a fine balance. Like I said, you want to invite 15 right. with the expectation that 8 to 12 will show up. Sure. Because the reason is, if you have too many people, like, for example, you had that example where you had two, 300 people in a room, you really can't get into an in-depth conversation with that many people. So they ended up just using buttons for yes and no, and people got tired of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of an answer. And so that wasn't really insightful. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that worked for your purposes. So, you know, if you go beyond 15, it just it prevents you to have a deeper engagement. And yeah. if you go much below, you know, you can actually do it with even five or six people. It's not that you can't. But ideally, eight to 12 works out really well. Yeah, I remember those yes, no buttons. We used to play them like 30 seconds of the beginning of a song. And they right. used to have to go yes or no to it. And... I mean, like 150 songs later, you can see people waning desperately at the back row. Yeah, and that's a little too much, yeah. <laughs> they just want to go home, definitely. So how would you kind of encourage people to get involved in one of these focus groups? How can we kind of persuade people to give up a, a bit of their precious time? Well, you give an incentive like you do with you in surveys, online surveys. You get all those ones you get. There's an incentive often that you get for them. So there are incentives involved. Uh, to give it, and quite honestly, I think it's worth it because these people are one incentive works to get them to commit to show up, but then two, they're giving you their time and energy and effort. So you know why not compensate them? And like I said many times, that really comes back in uh, multiple folds with their loyalty and interest in your product or service, and they're also going to start talking about it. Is there like a community of people who like doing focus groups and like doing this sort of thing? I'm thinking about like the competition entry people there's like entire communities of people who do oh, that. there is yeah there's some people who like doing them all the time of course um and then there's also companies that you know try to uh f make sure you filter out for that because you don't want just professional uh, opinion givers either so there's many ways to recruit nowadays luckily there's companies that can help you recruit you can use your own social channels uh, and so on and some companies are actually developing their own communities where they actually have a list in a community that they go to on a regular basis and again there's nothing wrong with any of those it's just like I said, every methodology and every avenue has its own inherent plus and minuses. As long as you know them and you can factor that, then you're okay. 
Yeah, because I see a lot of companies trying to build these community forums nowadays, but uh, they're difficult, aren't they? I mean, you can, you, you, you can, it can just, I've seen some where it's just literally been everybody moaning about everything and nobody saying anything nice. Well, it depends on how you conduct it and also, yeah. you know, also keeping them engaged and, and going forward. So it really depends. And the key there is also how you screen them, you know, yeah. uh, and are they really the best qualified people to give you that feedback? Um, and what's, what sort of process would you put in place to screen the, the folks you want in your, in your focus group? It really changes with each project, but you really want to try to find people that are like-minded. For example, if we were to do a focus group, let's say, on politics in the U.S., I would keep the group separate by party, Democrats, Republicans, in, independents. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mix them all into a group because you know there's going to be conflict. Yeah. So the goal is not necessarily to be random in these focus groups. It's much more to be homogeneous and more focused in each group. And so that allows you to do a deeper dive with what they that particular type of group thinks and feels. For example, we did a series of focus groups for a sports team, and we divided them into super fans and soon-to-be super fans. Yeah. But we didn't mix them. And so that way, you want to find out what that particular subset of, of uh, group thinks and feels. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, super fans, because I was thinking like that so-called power user with with right. software and, and things. And uh, I think power user is something that people call themselves. I don't think it's something other people call them at the end of the day. Right. But they tend to use a service or a product or something completely differently to everybody else. And they tend to be a very small percentage of the, the customer base. So it's good to whittle them out and separate these, you think? Absolutely. I mean, you want to keep them more focused. The more focused the group is, the more deeper you can go into whatever it is you want to tap into that particular segment of your target market. And I suppose the super fan is already going to like whatever it is already. Well, often you're going to get – super fans may be a small percentage, but they might be your heaviest users, right? Yeah, and yeah. so you're often going to find out really good information from them as to what they really like, don't like, and often they're the ones who might tell you, you know, the direction you need to go for innovation and differentiation. How do we tend to get a bit more engagement and uh, out of these focus groups? I mean, do you think, again, whilst we're running these focus groups, we need to be aware of trying to keep the energy levels up, do you think, and, and, and make sure that, you know, we get a lot of engagement? That's actually not that difficult. This just requires a good moderator to yeah. listen yeah. and to keep it going. Um, and also you need some time to get people to think and respond. So that's usually not a problem if you're just moderating it well. What can cause a problem if someone just goes through a litany of questions in yeah. an order and it's not part of the conversation? Yeah, I, yeah, I've 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 sat through some of those and they're they can well you can just switch off really quickly, can't you? It's, right, that's uh, yeah. gonna that, that's not as engaging. So the whole point is, even though as a moderator you may have a script you know mapped out, you don't necessarily follow each question in order. As long as you know what you want to cover in each section, those are just there to guide you. But more than anything, you want to create that engaging. Uh, conversation that everybody's just into. So they're not even thinking. They're just really tapping into their subconscious more and more. Yeah. So so you're the founder of iResearch.com. How, how does your platform kind of help people do this better, I suppose? Yeah. So the platform allows you to actually conduct online focus groups. And it's designed specifically for focus group research uh, and usage. Uh, unlike, let's say, meeting software or yeah. um, something like that. This is designed specifically because it allows you a lot of tools to upload images, videos for testing and everything, and even doing some polling during the group. It has you know three different views. Uh, you have the moderator who controls the session, you have the participants, but then you also have the client who can basically observe both sides 
but only interact with the moderator so they can have comments directly live without interrupting the discussion that's going on with the participants. So it makes it specifically uh, really trying to replicate as much as we can with the real live focus groups, but online. And with our uh, platform, you can do it anytime, anywhere, and in any language. And is there any sort of, once we've got information and data on these, can we kind of like refer to the stuff that we've we've already seen? Well, you know, is it pre-recorded? Is there a transcript and all that? Absolutely. You get a transcript immediately right after the session. It's all it's all there. Fantastic. Um, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff because I, I really hated the focus groups back in the 1990s. They were terrible. And um, <laughs> those yes-no buttons, I mean, I don't know who thought that up because, I mean, the world is not yes and no, is it? It's There's so many grey areas right. in between. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the challenge with big data these days. You have all this analytics and data and that, you know, big data tells you what people have done. Yeah. But it doesn't tell you the why. Yeah, because yeah. quite honestly, even though you might have gotten a bunch of people say like this song or don't like this song, you never really found out what actually made them like a song or dislike a song. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And if you actually knew that, then you would actually probably come up with a better list of songs to present to them so that you would get more yeses than noes. Yeah. Yeah. I got a funny feeling that the folks who ran these focus groups didn't care about that one bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just a numbers yeah, game. Yeah. Just a numbers game. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, Darshan, um, it's fascinating chat. Uh, where can we find you? Where is your website and, and your social media bits and that? iResearch.com. And you can always email me directly at dm at iResearch.com. And that's probably the best and easiest way is go to iResearch.com. Fantastic. I'll leave some links in the show notes so folks can just tap on those. Brilliant. Um, By the way, you might also uh, enjoy reading my book I just put out. It's called Getting to AHA. Why today's insights are tomorrow's facts, right? And that's brilliant. on Amazon. So I'll um I'll leave a link to that in the notes as well, so folks can tap on that and and go straight to it. Um, brilliant. And um, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you very much. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks again to Darshan for his time. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. It's absolutely everywhere, over 100 episodes. Uh, Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.